welcome to That Geek Pod. I'm Catherine and here with me today is Eric Struthers, rock god. Oh, I, that's a, a bit lofty for what I'm what I do, but thank you. How are you doing today? I am doing great, Catherine. It's so good to see you. You look lovely as ever. And you, people, if she doesn't tell you, got up super early to accommodate my schedule today. So much appreciated. Look, it's summer holidays for me, so I can, you know, lay about or make it up another day. Um, So, yes, anything to fitting Eric. Perfect. So, yeah, uh, summer. It's not been a quiet summer of nothing for me. Really? Yeah. So, you know, back in the day, you during our summer, you know, the off-seasons for ratings, you'd get, you know, all the sitcoms that, you know, got axed after five episodes in America mm-hmm. or um, MacGyver. Um, you know, every summer MacGyver would come back. Right. Uh, but you know, obviously with streaming and everything, it doesn't stop. The content does not stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's problematic for me because like my habit has always been to wait until, so like right now our favorite TV shows in this house are Parks and Recreation, which ended in what, 2017 <laughs> Community, which ended in like 2015 and uh, right now I'm watching Lost for the very first time. <laughs> and, but I also, because of like being on the Sith list, the podcast, the Sith list, uh, we're a fairly topical show about, you know, most things nerdy. And so it's like, well, you have to watch this before we record. And now like the, uh, the last of us yeah. is coming out on HBO max and, so they want me to watch that. I'm thinking, where am I going to fit this in? Yeah. And it's that for the last of us, I'm looking at going, oh, I like the people involved, but that looks too scary for me. Like, I, I don't do zombies. Yeah. That Well, you know, it's when you're around people that are practically zombies, the last thing you want to do is watch a show that's about <laughs> Well, so for me, I'm a big, I'm a big gamer, right? Yeah. And... I don't have a PlayStation, which that is the console that that game is exclusive to, The Last of Us 1 and 2. And I've heard it's amazing. And ideally, I would be able to play the games first, but I am not about to buy a PlayStation. My wife would murder me. No, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so with I don't game, you know, at all. Uh Um. But even with stuff like The Walking Dead, I tried to watch it and I got through a season and a half, but I got more and more behind because I could only watch it in the middle of the day, (laughs) on a bright, sunny day when I was in a very good mood because Mm -hmm. otherwise I literally would have nightmares about zombies. Mm -hmm. No. Oh, I get it. I totally get it. So, yeah, that's tough. I wouldn't want to do that. No. But... I'm like, oh, it's Pedro Pascal being dad. Our favorite Pedro Pascal mode. Yeah, I think that's going to be pretty cool. I'm going to give it a go and see what I think. Yeah. But, yeah, with so much coming out, it's that you almost feel guilty re-watching something or watching mm. something old. 
And it, it's it's tough because like so my wife and I we have two little kids, uh, right. age ten and age eight, and <laughs> even though you're probably not supposed to, we watch TV. We we watch we eat dinner in front of the television is what yeah. I'm trying to say. And so we want to watch things that are comfortable and easy and, you know, because we're up and down and getting napkins and doing this. And and so that's why we tend to rewatch the same stuff over and over just because it's it's a known quantity. And uh, but, yeah, it does, because when you're thinking I haven't even seen Glass Onion yet and I want to see it so badly. I loved Knives Out, yeah, but I just haven't made the time to do it. Yeah, yeah. I um, I saw it you know, with Josh Chapman and Dale um, when it was out here in cinemas for you mm-hmm. know that one week release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I've rewatched it since on Netflix. But yeah, that making time to watch things like there's stuff I really want to watch, like everything, everywhere, all at once. I really want to watch it, and yet. Uh-huh. You know, I get to an evening, I'm fiddling around, and then I'm like, oh, it's 9.30. No, it's too late to start something. Sorry, I'm not a night owl either. I'm not a morning person. I'm not a night owl. I'm a (laughs) mid-afternoon. That's it. Yeah. Well, if I stay occupied, I can stay up pretty late. But as soon as I, like, stretch out and start watching TV, if I'm even remotely tired, it's not – it's a done deal. (laughs) And I have to, I'll have to drink coffee at like 11 o'clock at night to, to stay on, which is just a terrible habit to get into. But, um, we used to joke that my sister would go into koala mode, that as soon as we rented a video or DVD from the store, we put it on within five minutes, she'd be asleep on the couch. So koala mode. Yeah. Koalas are so cute. Oh, they are. So cute. We, we now, do, do you, have very cute animals. You do. Now, do you guys, are they just like hanging out in trees? If you went outside right now, would you see one? Not so much near me. Um, they can be in suburban areas. Um, I know, I think up near Turbo, he might see some. If you're near like some bushland, you probably mm-hmm. see them. But yeah, you know, us urban scrawl. Scroll, sprawl, that's the word. Sprawl, yeah. Going out, um, displacing our poor koalas, but they are in a lot of places. Yeah, you, you see uh, them. Yeah. Well, of eventually, you've got, to I drop will... out, you've got to watch out for drop bears, of course. Uh, eventually, I will come and visit Australia. Well, for sure. You've got to do it. There's, um, you know, there's new long-distance flights, if, uh-huh. if that will entice you. So from Dallas to Sydney or Melbourne, Houston to Auckland, and then you can get on to mm-hmm. Melbourne. There's even an Air New Zealand, uh, New York to Auckland, um, then on to Australia. So huh. Auckland in New Zealand. So ultra long, long haul, but um, yeah. I would love to. I would love to visit. I've always wanted to. And now that I have so many friends that live there, it makes it even more important for me to go. Yeah, it's it's funny how you can want to go somewhere, but then you just get that little extra prompt to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so, yeah, I hadn't been overseas in years and years. And then, yeah, 2019 Star Wars Celebration, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go to America and meet all my internet friends. And it was the best. It was the best. It was. Anaheim was also quite good. Yeah. Like seeing everyone, oh, it's the best. And then, yes, I do have my ticket for London. I was um, just going to ask about that. Yes. Now that's in April? Yeah. yeah. Rapidly Ooh, approaching. Yeah, it's coming up quick. I don't get to go, unfortunately. I wish I could. It's just, it's impractical from like a financial standpoint, but how close it was to Anaheim or, you know, celebration 2022, but also like it's on a weekend that's extremely busy for me at work. Now I could get away. They would probably let me, but it's just, it's just not realistic financially. Yeah. It's, it was rough. Um, you know, I got back from Anaheim not long afterwards, the tickets went on sale, mm-hmm. got my ticket. Then within about a week, two weeks, I'd bought my flights. So, oh, wow. so basically I'd not even paid off the credit card from when I was in America right? and I'd put flights on it. So oh, oh my gosh. That, that were a few months where I felt broke, broke. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, well, here's here's a little secret I'll tell you. One of the things I do is because I did so much business through PayPal is I ended up qualifying for a PayPal business account without even, I didn't even fill out any credit applications. Just boom, suddenly, hey, do you want to turn this into a business account? Sure, that'd be great. Next thing you know, it's like, hey, do you want to get PayPal business credit? I'm like, that'd be awesome because any purchase over $100 is six months, no interest. Oh. And so Southwest takes PayPal, which really worked out whenever I flew to Anaheim. And the whole bunch of stuff that we got for Christmas was purchased via that also. So, yeah, that's very handy because it's the no interest thing that's important to me. And now that I don't have as much of a side income when I was playing in my rock band without that, now I don't miss it. I, I much prefer being with my family or spending time with my friends. And like I've been making tons of content at home lately. It's, there's yeah. no money in it, but it's still very fun. Yeah. But without that side stream of income, doing things like heading off to celebration on a whim, it's just not, not going to go. Yeah. And I'm aware as an Australian, we get you know, good, um, good holidays. We, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we get, really good like annual leave and things and it happens to fall uh during or at the very start of a term break for me Mm -hmm. so I can go yes I'm taking like a two like three days off school technically and then Uh I'm on term break gotcha so um it works out yeah pretty well for me but yeah that's coming up quick oh it's around the corner and me being a, right, I want to know, you know, what I'm doing every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, no, no, come on. This someone, someone help me plan because yeah, yeah I'm a, I'm a planner. I'm, I've been sitting there going, right, if I'm staying here, I can get the Elizabeth line to here and then change at this station to the district wow. line. Yeah. Mind you, I also like trains. I've been mm-hmm. getting really into train videos. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. 
Yeah. So my YouTube algorithm is this mess of Star Wars, uh, Disneyland, and trains. <laughs> That's quite a mixture. Yeah. Well, so my YouTube account, my main one, which is just my Eric Strathers YouTube, is nothing but Minecraft videos because that's what the TV is logged into. <laughs> so my kids, it's nothing but just goofy kid YouTube stuff. And then like Taylor Swift music videos. That's pretty much the extent of it. And of course, anything I would actually ever watch is just way down buried in the list because they watch it all the time. And I never do. So I just... Yeah, I'm out in the cold on that. Yeah, I found myself, you know, watching some train videos and like emailing the link to my dad going, oh, this one's interesting. You know, it's about the, um, well, the signalling at um, at North Melbourne Station. He's like, yeah, it is really interesting. I was like, I'm turning into my father. <laughs> and I said this to mum once. She's like, yeah, you know you're your, you're your father again. It's like what? It's like yeah. <laughs> now is he you in are Star Wars? <laughs> no, he doesn't watch a lot of TV. Um, although as a kid, he would come out of his office sometimes to watch something with me. Like he'd watch Lois and Clark with me. Uh huh. Just that was what he decided he'd come and watch with me. Yeah. That's cool though. Yeah, yeah but um. Because, yeah, he had a home office um, and I remember like in the 80s he'd hook up a, a cable to the phone in the kitchen and then run a cable out to his um, computer mm-hmm. in, in the 80s. Uh, and yeah. we were like, well, what is he doing? He was on an early form of the internet. Yep, yep, doing message board stuff. And yep. I had friends that were super into that and – when I went away to for my freshman year of college, so the first year of college after like high school, they the internet as it was was essentially invented at the school I went to, the University of Illinois at Urbana Champaign, yeah. which is like kind of in the northern middle part of Illinois. There's like nothing around it but cornfields. But that's where the World Wide Web was invented. And they made the first web browser and all of that stuff. And so like we were, we all had email addresses and it was pretty new. This was 1991. Yeah. And that, you know, everything was uh, uh, like hardwired land stuff. We weren't using dial up, but our email addresses were a million digits and <laughs> numbers long. I mean, seriously, it yeah. was this, uh, you could not memorize it at and then like something dot something dot something dot something dot something and they're like this is the wave of the future and i was like oh yeah i bet this is never going to catch on but look at us now now i'm talking to one of my greatest friends a a whole half of the world away yeah it's and you know for me to go to chicago you know we were like okay all these friends we've never met in person then we knocked on a door and they were all our friends. Yeah. Big hugs. It was just amazing to get to know people so well, mm-hmm. even before you meet in person. It's just yeah. amazing. It's pretty magical. Yeah. And when you think about it, like we love Star Wars because of its themes and because of uh, 
just like its emotional impact on us and and plus the visuals and all that of course but a big part when i think about star wars i sort of turbo had sent in a question to the sith list about i think it was him that did it yeah he asked about a couple things but maybe it wasn't him that asked what were your favorite star wars moments from 2022 and mine had nothing to do with any of the shows it was all about being with my friends that I made around Star Wars as a community. And they're like, no, 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 you're cheating. Not, that, that's not what the question is. I'm like, fine, I really liked Andor. And, but yeah, that's, that's what's so great about this, that this, this fandom has introduced me to some of the best people I've ever known. And I would have never known them if it wasn't for that. And so the things I like to that annoy me like Twitter and all that stuff is still largely responsible for me becoming friends with like you and Josh and turbo and Emily and just lots of people. And without it, none of that would have happened. Yeah. It's, I was listening to the latest Canto bite and Emily and Brittany were talking about how their boyfriends they've met because of podcasting uh-huh. And and because of podcasting and the community, it's all started with steel. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, Emily's you know like oh, that steel Saunders, you know, just, it all comes back to that guy. It does. He hates when I bring that up. Yeah. At his live show in Anaheim, I made a point after the fact to say, you know, we're all here. Not just in this room at his live show, but we're all here at this convention together because of a lot of it's because of him. And he's like, oh, ah, stop, stop. You know, he doesn't want me saying that, but it's true. It's absolutely yeah. true. Um, it absolutely is. I, you know, would go to um, a lot of his I Love Green Guide Letters podcasts. Uh-huh. True story. First one I went to, I was up the back. Me, I was up the back. I was trying to hide. Yeah. Um, and then I crept down the front eventually. Uh, and then, yeah, in the for his first Steel Wars shows, live ones, you know, there was during the comedy festival, so there were four mm-hmm. weekends, you know, standing in the line, not talking to anyone, but looking back, it was like, oh, yeah, there's Andy, there's Josh. Uh-huh. The next week it was like, oh, yeah, you know, you do the old, you know, nod, the uh-huh. oh, yeah, acknowledgement nod. Right. By the third week we were sort of standing, maybe, you know, maybe not talking that much. By mm-hmm. the fourth week I think we were talking. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, some of my best friends have come through this medium yeah Yeah. Um, that's really neat yeah uh you know i've had to force myself it's weird people would typically not guess that i'm an introvert at heart and people wouldn't believe that because i'm boom i'm outgoing i'm a big personality i play in bands i do all this stuff but i've a lot of it what appears to come off as natural confidence i've just had to force myself to do all right i'm just gonna put myself out there and you know i mean let's face it you crash and burn half the time but it's because here's what i realized in a situation like you know you had several uh, several moments to like let that build up 
But like when we all went to my first convention, my first celebration was Orlando. And then again in Chicago, it's like I have this window that I have to make all of this happen. And I can't I can't let any of it slip away by my own internal voice telling me anything negative so it's like i'm all in and it's it's scary but it was so worth it in the long run to be able to like dig deep and do that yeah it's yeah like standing in front of a classroom i'm all pretending i'm confident Uh but it's it's the misnamed i get to school and I become Miss Neen and during mm-hmm. recess I shrink back down again Aww. and then it's all right, uh, Miss Neen again and act all confident. But, yeah, it's all an act. Uh, all an act. <laughs> That's half of it, though. Everybody gets imposter syndrome. Everybody does. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I'm a big fan of Taylor Swift and in her music video for anti-hero which she caught some grief for but the whole problem is about how she view has viewed herself either because she would listen to people who didn't like her i mean here's somebody who's incredibly famous incredibly wealthy incredibly talented and they still have the same exact sooner or later everybody's going to realize i'm a total fraud feeling yeah and i mean because that's that's a very natural human thing you're your own worst enemy and uh you know and what's funny though too is you see that like a similar thing transpire in a lot of the shows we like so many of our heroes their own self is in their way and and it's like you can watch them and say well you need to quit having such a bad attitude you need to quit doing this or that but you can't tell yourself that (laughs) oh no i cannot tell myself anything I bet you're an amazing teacher. What age age range do you teach? So I'm teaching mainly the, the senior kids in high school now. So we've got that year 11, year, year 12, year 11, year 10, sometimes year 9. So mm-hmm. from about 14 up to 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously you tackle each, each year level a bit differently. Right. Uh, yeah, based on at their maturity and and yeah the kids themselves it's so funny though to see these kids you know at year 10 you know when they're 15 16 going oh those kids in year nine you know (laughs) they're so immature I'm like you were like that last year yeah (laughs) last year you were like that yeah yeah I have to remind my daughter of that when she she gets annoyed with her brother you know, he's two years younger than you. And yes, girls mature faster than boys, but it wasn't that long ago you were doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife, she has been substitute teaching at our kids' school. That's where she is right now, as a matter of fact. And she really likes it. The kids really like her. But she, she's like said the sweet spot is like third grade because they get a little older and they've, they're not as scared to be out of control and, but you get a little younger and you can't get them to focus, but she really likes it. She likes it when they call her Mrs. Strothers. I think it's very cute. I wish she could do it full time. Yeah. It's, it's a demanding profession. It's a demanding profession. It takes a lot out of you. So I caught up with a, um, 
teacher friend of mine who I used to work with, he's at another school now and, yeah, we, we were saying how much it takes out of you just emotionally. I bet. Yeah. I bet so. I That must be very tough. I have a job that's has many facets of it that are similar in that it's always people taking from you is kind of like how transactionally how my job works is I'm there for people and it's not typically the other way around, which I mean, I get it. That's how it goes, but it can really beat you up because, so I work at, I work at a church. I just throw that out there is that, and people who go to church and people who don't like church will tell you the same thing. Some of the worst people ever are at church. Okay. I'm just going to tell you it's a fact. And it, it's tough. It's it's tough to deal with. And I bet a lot like school, the thing that you think is going to be hard about the job isn't what ends up being hard. It's all this other stuff. And yeah. it's all it's all relational dynamics. That's what it all comes down to. It's all people stuff. The tasks themselves might be difficult, but it's all people. The politics. The mm-hmm. politics. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's because it's funny. I bet you at, at high school, and this is so funny because this is going to fall right into like the fandoms we're part of. At high school, you can very plainly see the cliques of kids, the nerds, yeah. the, the sports the and stuff like that. But adults are the exact same way. And they, I mean, some much worse than others. You know what I mean? Like some of the the people who were the cool kids in my high school, they fortunately outgrew that. But you have a couple of that, you know, that still that they kind of act that same way. And it's weird because like I would always try to go on like field trips for my kids school when they need, you know, one parent goes. I would always try to go and I would end up like hanging out with all the good looking moms instead of the two dads that came along who were over there talking business the whole time. Like, and, and we have that in our fandom where you've got this, these, like the clicks, the good humans versus the people who aren't so good. And I, I bet you can really identify that. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing. It's, in every fandom pretty much mm-hmm. like the the more you delve into a fandom i think you find a very bad corner of it oh yeah yeah so in 2022 i watched all of call the midwife twice uh-huh. you know so yeah i, I first yeah you know, so call the midwife is an english show Set in East London, starts in 1957 Mm -hmm. with these group of nuns and nurses who go around helping women give birth. Look, (sighs) yeah, I've watched it a lot Uh (laughs) to the point where I was then re-watching Downton Abbey, yeah, and, you know, before, you know, Sybil's pregnant and she's going, oh, I've got a headache. I'm pointing at the TV going, preeclampsia. <laughs> um, yeah. So instead of watching, you know, new fashionable shows, I'm watching Call of the Midwife. Um, but I'm sure there's an evil, co- you know, cohort out there of Call of the Midwife fans who. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Well, it's yeah. so like I mentioned Taylor Swift before, and there are just some horrific people in that fandom who are just gatekeepery as can be, and it's just such a shame to see. And I mean, I'm probably one of the oldest ever Taylor Swift like hardcore fans that, but I just it blows my mind to see and like well, you'll see these people and the way they interact online, you'll see them. Oh, they're probably in high school. No, they're thirty. Yeah. It's like you gotta be better than that. <laughs> but we got a lot of good friends in our group. I'd say I'd say yeah. you know, yeah. by and large, don't if anybody's listening to this and is not has been on the fence about whether you should go and like jump in feet first into this community, do it. Because it is there's so much more good than bad. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, like, yes, we all met because of Star Wars and we talk a lot of Star Wars, but we can talk things other than Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Although more often than not, it's peppered with Star Wars references. Right. <laughs> so speaking of Star Wars, oh, I'm sorry, this is your show. It's just such a habit of mine to be like, hey, you, this is your show. You go. And or. Yeah. Like, that's just been me for like the last however many months, yeah. just every now and again, just yelling the word and or. Yeah. Now, have you completely rewatched the entire season several times? Well, each week I'd watch the episode at least three times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, now I'm going through watching like an arc at a uh-huh. time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I need to do that because I, I did it where I would usually watch each one a couple times in the week. And then, but I haven't gone back and watched the entire thing from beginning to end. And now, as you've watched it, have you found that, oh, I miss that, or I can't believe I've seen it this many times and I didn't quite catch this sort of thing? Well, you know, in that first arc, you, you really see the foundations of why, you know, in the in the finale, you Ferrix stood together and that those relationships that Cassian has with mm-hmm. um, Bix and Brasso, you know, why they would come together. Um, it's just it's just such a well-constructed show. Everything mm-hmm. makes sense. There's, you know, everything, nothing's there superfluously. Right. And that's something that was great in on that first watch when you realise that, oh, hang on, everything comes up again, everything's there for a purpose. Right. And it really made you pay attention even more. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I've had mixed opinions on Tony Gilroy through the years because of how he's spoken about Rogue One or mm-hmm. Rogue, as he puts it, um, and the state it was in. And but God, he can he can create a good television show. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, whenever you have a creative like that who does speak negatively, for lack of a better word, about a project like that, and it seems like his uh, disregard for it almost. It's like, I don't care about this. They hired me to do a job. I'm doing it. I think sometimes maybe that makes for the best product after all. And uh, Because I will say, I think Andor as a whole is probably one of the best television shows I've ever seen. Star Wars or not, 
I think yep. it is one of the best. It's so good. But. Yeah. Yeah, it is so good. Um I I listen to you know this podcast group called Post Show Recaps and they through the year well they got the Patreons to vote on the best shows of the mm-hmm. year. And they then, you know, went through the top ten. And when Andor came in number two, I was thrilled. I'm like, yeah. yes. Yes, that it's not just us Star Wars fans who love it. Um, Severance was by, was number one, by the way. I haven't um, seen that. I haven't seen that either. It's being on my list, you know, on that on that infamous list that everyone has. Right. Um, but Luthan Rail was voted number one best character. Oh, best new wow. character. Yeah. Man, I, now, I think so that's well deserved. I only voted twice. For all you people out there, I only voted twice, so I didn't stuff the ballot. <laughs> oh, well, it's my family hasn't watched Andor just because of like the timing of it. Yeah. But I think my wife would really like it. The kids, yeah. I, I mean, they would think the action sequences were cool, but I think it might be a little too. Uh, there's like too much story and not enough explosions in in every second of the thing. But the intrigue of it, I think would be lost on like an eight year old kid. My wife would love it. And it's been that way. Like there's been several shows where she would probably tell you others. I'm not interested in this, but she'll be around whenever I have it on. And she's like, wait, what now? What was that? What was it? And, and it's cool to see because that just tells you it's good TV. Yeah. yeah. Like, like with Bad Batch, we were watching that and I know it's a lot, not a lot of people's favorite, but we dig it in this house. And we were watching the most recent episode, episode three of this second season. And she hasn't barely seen any episodes, my wife, and she was instantly drawn in. What's going on over here? Who's this? Episode three, Solitary Clone, that was a good episode. I thought it was too. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of my, my uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Some of my friends, I guess, for lack of a word, some, some of my associates that I podcast <laughs> with had not great things to say about it. And I mean, all I understand where they're coming from, but I was like completely shocked at just how extreme the difference of opinion was. Yeah, I haven't been a big fan of Bad Batch, mm-hmm. but that episode I liked. Um, so, you know, I have to laugh at myself of, oh, uh, you know, there's there was no comedy, no light bits. It was all dark. It was grim. Mm-hmm. It was soul searching. And Catherine loved it. <laughs> what does that say yeah what yeah. yeah it was pretty dark but i i'm just i'm interested in the characters and i'm interested in like i said the themes of the whole thing yeah. i think there's a lot to be taken from that i do like one of the main commonalities in the complaints i think would be that everything was telegraphed you could see it coming a mile away and i I mean i get it i understand why that is Uh, but it served its purpose well and for me even though i've seen a billion episodes of clone wars and all of that i was still excited to see battle droids and excited 
to see the clones against the battle droids. But what I thought was really interesting is in this scenario, the clones were plainly on the wrong side. Yeah. The battle droids were the good guys in this one because they're coming in to occupy a planet that doesn't want them there. The end. And so the, essentially they're not clones. They're stormtroopers at that point. And so that was, I was surprised at how I felt about it. Yeah. I've um, saw a headline that Sean from Blue Bantha Milk like, took a little screenshot off and sent it to our group. And it's the review headline was, are we the baddies? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's what that episode is about. And that, mm-hmm. so the episode really started to explore the thing I'm with, most interesting with this sort of time period that aftermath of order 66 how Uh the clones feeling about taking part in it because they were just used like oh yeah they're just pawns yeah yeah and so it's obvious that yes some are feeling not good about it and they're like what happened and what are we doing now so that sort of questioning is is something i'm very interested in like the um Finding treasure, you know, first couple of episodes, I'm like, yeah, what ifs? Right. On my phone. Um, But this, I was like, yeah, this is far more interesting to me. So, yeah. 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 And to see, see the turn. Because, you know, one of the things I say all the time is that nobody ever thinks they're the bad guy. With the exception of like in the movies where they call themselves an evil genius and then like, yes, I'm going to (laughs) take over the world. they probably know they're bad guys, but for yeah. the most part, the people in the empire think they're the good guys. The rebellion think they're the good guys. And from that point of view, not to get all Obi-Wan Kenobi on them, but from a point of view, I, I you see where they're coming from. But even the people who think they're the good guys, i.e. the clones in this case, realize they're being s- steered by mm-hmm. somebody who's not good. Yeah, And they start to question that. And I like I suspect it starts with in this episode. Listen, people, full spoilers. OK, in this episode, Commander Cody ends up going AWOL at the end. And it, he's the one who was with Obi-Wan Kenobi whenever he hands him his lightsaber here, sir, you might need this. And then when Order 66 comes, he shoots the beast Obi-Wan's riding on. I like to imagine that that guy, that uh, animal lived when it fell into the water, but Obi-Wan did. Why didn't, why not it? But here he is having a turn of heart. And what I would expect to happen in real life, if that were the case, is there would, maybe they wouldn't necessarily rush to the other side's cause. Yeah. But maybe try to pull back and remain unattached to either side to figure out like the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, oh, come on, Eric. But, but just like the noise inside their head, what's the, the discord trying yeah. to figure out what is making this, the dissonance, that's that's the word I'm looking for, of how do I really feel about this and to sort that out? Because, you know, it's, if suddenly I found out that my best of intentions were just the machinations of a person who's ultimately bent on crushing everyone around us I would probably take exception to that I would like to think I would anyway yeah it's 
it's really funny how that some of the themes of Andor are that the rebellion we think of as being good guys, but mm-hmm. sometimes they're doing things that really are they improving the lives of the people of the galaxy? No. Right. Like, you know, look at Aldani, the people on Aldani, mm-hmm. their lives are worse because of what the rebellion did. Um, yeah, that there's that. Sure, they're doing it with good intentions, but there's bad outcomes. And the clones, they thought they were doing things for the right reasons. But, yeah, then they find out, oh, no, we're doing yeah, are we the baddies, is essentially. Right. Well, it, so let's talk about Andor for a second. When One of the things that Luthen says is essentially what we need is to get the people to where they're feeling oppressed. We need to accelerate the empire's clamp down and oppression of people. We need to make sure the empire oppresses the people more so that we can turn them to our cause, which... I guess you you have to really convince yourself you've got this noble end in mind for it because that I think would be a very hard thing to live with yourself on knowing that you're that that you have to stop viewing all of the individuals as individuals but just numbers. It's a numbers game, and you have to be okay with the misery of other people that ultimately you're directly responsible for, and you're doing it on purpose for a greater cause. What if you're wrong? What if, and so that's a really fine line because when we catch up with the rebels by the time uh, Rogue One comes along, you know, at the beginning we see Cassian being, killing a guy who risked his life to come and give him information, killing him so to keep himself from getting caught. And I mean, sure, you can look back and say, well, if he hadn't gotten away, the Death Star would have just gone unchecked and nobody could have stopped it. But it, that's where it all leads back to. By the time we see the rebellion in A New Hope, they're plainly the good guys. There's, from what we can see, there's none of like these terrorist acts going on. But what you hate to think about, and I think I mentioned this on the Sith list this week, or the motivators, one of the two, that compared to, say, Star Wars, the United States is the empire and the enemies of the United States are yeah. the rebels. It's just how it is. And now we don't, th- I don't, I would like to think the United States is not the empire, but the people who are attacking us or do, you know, doing these terrorist acts, they're the rebels that we're cheering for in these movies. Yeah. But it's all about, Where's our perception of the greater good? Now that opens a whole can of worms that I really don't want to, I don't want to spend a ton of time dwelling on because it's (laughs) no good can come of where my mind will go with it. But yeah, like the Luthan character, he is fascinating. Mm -hmm. What, you know, that he has obviously spent a long time thinking about what, you know, how to get rid of the empire, Mm -hmm. you know, what will prompt people to revolt and it's not that slow tightening of the screw it's not the slow boiling of the water it's the sudden clamp down it's the sudden increase of heat that is will make people you know stand up 
Mm -hmm. So what do you think we're going to find out his background actually is? Do you have any thoughts on, is he a former military person? Is, what do you think his deal is going to be? Well, you wonder, was he always that antique dealer on Coruscant? Right. And it just somehow fell into this. Yeah. Or is he, you know, uh, Liam Neeson's character in Taken where he used to do this one thing and now he's got this other job. Now, admittedly, being a security guard is different than being an antiques dealer. But, you know, is he going to get all like, I've got a special set of skills sort of thing on him, which plainly he does. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm curious as to where they'll take that or if they'll even tell us. You know, that's one of those things that in classic Star Wars, they would just never tell you. They would leave it completely up to you to fill it in in your head and hope that they told us someday and then be disappointed when they did. That's just how, how it works in Star Wars. Cause, yeah, you've got to think the um, you know, the antiques dealer cover, that has to be around for years before yeah. we we first meet him in Andor. Right. Um, you know, how long has it? been around here where did he get all those antiques from mm-hmm. was he an indiana jones type going out finding things and instead of taking them to a museum was he taking them to his his shop so was he dealing with pirates and smugglers because yeah he he um you know had his ship upgraded for reasons yeah yeah <sighs> by ship. somebody who really knew what they were doing yep that was quite nifty. Yeah. Because, yeah, even in the first time and Andor walks into Luthen's ship, he's like, oh, he's like looking around. You could see him going, this ship's a lot nicer than what I thought it would be. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, this ship can't do that. So there were little breadcrumbs mm-hmm. all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, too, he assumed that somebody like him would be less uh... – there would be less luxury involved yeah. in what he was doing too, because, you know, we find out when we first meet him, he doesn't look anything like he does when he's in his finest threads in the antique shop doing that, which the picking Stellan Skarsgård at, for the, that role was a home run. I can't imagine anybody doing a better job than he did at, having those two personas that he sunk into and owned well enough to fool all the people around him. And bringing with him how you can feel the weight of the decisions that Luthen has to make. Yeah. You know, he doesn't do it flippantly. Right. He feels the weight of it. And sometimes he questions himself, but like how he's just prepared to sacrifice that, um, that team of rebels whose name escapes me at the moment, but because, you know, the empire knew they were going to do that, that raid. So he's like, right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they, if they warned them, then they would know that they had somebody on the inside. Yeah. But by not warning them, you're sending them to certain death. That's brutal. Oh my gosh. That's brutal to think about. That's a, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could make those decisions. I don't think I could be like, you know, in wartime. Yeah. Where in the United States, 
the storming of the beach in Normandy on D-Day. It's like, listen, all we have to just throw numbers at them. Yeah. Somehow we'll get through. And you are knowingly sending what you have to in your mind and your heart view as just faceless entities yeah. at it because they're not going to make it. And you have to know that that sacrifice is going to end up for the greater cause that's I don't have it in me to make those decisions well even earlier during the war um you know the British intelligence base at Bletchley Park were able to read the Enigma code um so they were able to know where a lot of the uh convoys where a lot of the submarines were Mm -hmm. but they couldn't divert convoys because then the Germans would know oh Enigma's been broken. We've got to change right. codes, right. change things. Um, so they let you know, convoys be mm-hmm. um, be bombed. Um, they let things happen to protect the secret of Enigma that they'd broken it. Man, that's a trip. Yeah. Wow. But. They knew they had to because the ability to read Enigma for the overall mm. effort was more important than convoys. And it's just, yeah, decisions that, yeah, must just weigh on the soul. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then to have to do when I can't even think of the guy's name, but it's the man that they have inside. Yeah. With the. Uh, it, Lonnie. Yeah. Yeah. Having him and giving him that whole speech and saying, so how's your understanding you've got a kid and all of that, when you know for sure what you're putting out there and whether you're capable of following through on the vague threat you're putting out there or not, it's, that's, that's just difficult. That's difficult. And the way that, that scene in particular, the way that was acted out by both parties, Lonnie and Luther was tremendous. It was so good. The tension and it was all dialogue and body language. Yeah. And yeah, Stellan Skarsgård just delivering oh, an absolutely. amazing monologue. Uh, yeah. 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 The, the monologues in that show, it, it, and they weren't, they weren't self-serving. Like it, they weren't, they didn't have them in the show just because they could, they all served a definitive purpose and they all were impactful in their way and in their place. And I, I was shocked at how good every last one of them is. And Pablo Hidalgo had tweeted something about uh, uh, jokingly that man, how about that monologue in Andor? And then it's like, well, which one are you talking about? Because they were all so good. Yeah. You know, even that episode, the One Way Out episode, had two great do- mm-hmm. monologues. Oh. Yeah. 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 What a good show. Now I want to go back and rewatch it today. I can't today, but I want to. One of my friends, um, yeah, she hasn't started it, and I, I'm like, oh, come on, come on, and she laughs. She's like, she thinks it's funny that she hasn't watched it, that I'm getting upset. I'm like, 
No, you you actually do need to watch it. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Why are you wanting me upset? Now, do you have uh, any people in your like just daily routine who are even close to being into Star Wars at the, at the way you are? Um, no. Uh, the sort of closest was, you know, the friend who used to work at school with me. Um, no. No. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the people I've added from um from star wars and they're in my daily life yeah 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 i'm the same way i mean i have friends uh like a lady i work with her son and i were we'd always go to the uh first showing of the movies together and all that stuff he came to celebration chicago with me too but we don't get to see each other that much he's married and i'm married and uh, so yeah, my, the, the closest thing I have from like a, just a day-to-day person is my son, Henry, he's eight and he does love star Wars, but not how I do, but he does love it. And but his big thing, he loves Lego stuff. He loves playing with his Lego stuff. He likes watching the Lego cartoons. He likes playing the Lego video games, uh, but that's how he stays connected to it. So to me, that's totally cool. But we, in a couple of years, he might be interested in Andor. But he's more like, he likes the Book of Boba Fett. He really liked The Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing with Andor is that because it's so separate from a lot of the continuing stories, if you wait a couple of years for, for them to watch it, you know, they're not missing out on any story beats or anything. Right. I saw a pretty interesting article about how the creators of the Bad Batch and the challenges to not disrupt canon by anything they do. And one of the things they talked about is how when they when it, the team that made Andor, they could basically do anything they wanted because you knew where it started, you knew where it ended, and as long as you don't mess with any pre-existing characters in there, it's go crazy. Yeah. do do whatever and that how freeing that probably is where like with bad batch you've got the very first episode they kind of tampered with what had already been established in canon with uh kanan showing up yeah. as a kid but yeah. past that they've got a pretty pretty wide road they can travel yeah. but other stuff just not so much Anything like with the Mandalorian, what as soon as they start involving things like Luke Skywalker in there, for example, you've really got to watch your step with it. So I think that it's really cool to see a show like Andor that can do kind of whatever they want to flesh this world out. And the fact that they were able to make a show and have it feel like Star Wars without any lightsabers without any of that stuff, that's pretty tremendous because it just helps show too what a big world it is. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've always really been interested in is what's the world or what's the universe like outside of, yeah, the the Skywalkers, the Jedi, for the everyday people, mm-hmm. what's life under the Empire like? And you know, really we saw our first 
everyday people in Andor. We saw our middle-class family apartment with uh-huh. Cyril's apartment on Coruscant where he got, what, you know, five seconds of sunlight right. in his room each day, yeah. Well, what did you think of Kenobi as a whole? I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it. I mean, I know some people found bits goofy and fan servicey, but I I liked it overall. I liked the themes. Um, you know, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. I loved it, and the stuff that felt fan servicey, I love that too. Oh yeah. I love seeing young Leia. I'm actually looking at the animatronic Hasbro Lola that I have over there. I've never put batteries in it, but uh, I don't need to. I just need it to sit there and look cool. But I, I thought it was great. I like the emotion of the relationship between Obi-Wan and young Leia. Yeah. And one of the things, and I realize that they don't necessarily think about these things when they write them, right? But it to me, it adds weight to like in A New Hope when she says, Obi-Wan Kenobi, where? Yes. Because now the, the attachment she would have had to him and knowing that he's right there somewhere in the building, I just, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. really neat. Because one of the things I was said in Steel was he teased me about this. But I said, now listen, if you didn't know and, and you hadn't seen A New Hope first all those years ago like I did, and then came back and saw the prequels in the part where Obi-Wan says, I don't recall ever owning a droid in that whole bit in a new hope. And he gets this look on his face. And I said, it'd be really easy to interpret that as you little blue butthole. What have you told him? We agreed. We were never going to tell anybody this and you could make a case for it. Now, obviously, that's not what George Lucas had in, in mind at the time, but you know, he'd probably tell you he did. But it's one of those things that that those sorts of moments, you can transfer their. What's the word I'm looking yeah. for, Catherine, their 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 weight, you can transfer yeah. that onto like the modern stuff. Yeah, that when Alec Guinness delivered those lines, he delivered like all of his lines in a way where there's another meaning behind them. He didn't know mm-hmm. exactly what it would be, but when he said, yeah, I don't recall ever owning a droid, uh-huh. there was a weight there and carefully choosing his words of, yes, he didn't own a droid. Doesn't mean he didn't know the droid. Right. Or meet the droid or spend a lot of time with the droid. He just didn't own R2-D2. Right, yeah. Yeah, and those sorts of things don't bother me at all. Yeah. I'm glad that George Lucas took the chances that he took. Yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of things like the fact that Leia says she remembers her real mother. Yeah. They could have maybe done that a little different, but uh, because then when they try to write themselves out of that circle in modern times, it comes off as very clunky. And like we were all worried in Kenobi that there was going to be some lesson about the high ground or, (laughs) and it's like, we can live without that. It'd be really be okay. Yeah. Yeah. But 
you're you're right. The fan servicey bits I did enjoy, and I do want some fan servicey bits of Andor. But I'm perfectly happy if they just have a separate, you know, extras specials of Cassian just doing fan service bits. Uh huh. You know, can we can we just have that? Bobby I'm hoping- I. I'm hoping Bobby that Eye, you're back. Give me just special beats. <laughs> I'm hoping that they'll give us the um like the Disney gallery thing yes. with the making of Andor and go in deep on that. I would love to see it. With the sets they built and how they went all around England filming in, mm-hmm. in places or and in Scotland. Yeah, I looked up where the um, dam was in Scotland where they, mm-hmm. they filmed that. Uh, it's a bit hard to get to without a car. Um, I did look at it for getting a train. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, the name of speech is near Blackpool, which is a very dodgy town. Um, Apparently that's why they had all that security there. Yeah. But plans are afoot for us to go to the quarry um, during when I'm in England for celebration. So with a couple of, couple of scruffy lads, go to the quarry. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just seeing how they filmed and or getting to know more of the people, the composer, Nicholas Brattel, mm-hmm. just, yeah, because, yeah, I've bought those um, – you know how he put out the volumes of the Andor soundtrack. Uh-huh. It would have tense, tense, tense music, tense music, and then there'd just be that drop of Neomos exclamation mark that song, uh-huh. <laughs> like and remixes of that throughout the entirety of it. So yeah, going back watching that first episode again when Cassian goes to the bar, let's just mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, yeah, you go. Oh yeah, there's Neomos. That mix, um, you know the song I'm talking about. I think so. Let's see if I can play it and break all sorts of rules. Cancel. Yeah. So you know the only things I've bought recently have been the Andrew soundtrack, mm-hmm. um, the Molanda Club mix of. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's really just, cool. That will go off at celebration. <laughs> yeah, I I that is one thing I can say about Star Wars TV in general, including the Bad Batch. The music has been amazing. Like the chances they took with the Book of Boba Fett and uh the Mandalorian, the like just the orchestral draw of Andor and by, but adding like contemporary things, like suddenly there's electric guitars and a drum kit and all these things. And then like the Kiner brothers with the bad batch doing some really cool work in the, especially this most recent episode that to me, the music is such a big part of it that I Somebody asked, you know, they posed the question that if you had to get rid of, you could only keep one Star Wars film, what would it be? Or something along those lines. And and my question is always, well, do I have the soundtrack? 
because if I can hear it, it the visuals I can picture them all. But it's to to lose the soundtrack would be hard. My son, even still, when he plays, he's like doesn't even realize he's doing it. He's humming the themes of the shows or the movies that he's watching when he's playing with his little figures, because that's how important the music is to the content. So, you know, like John Williams set the standard mm-hmm. and it's just everyone else just knows then how important the music is. It it changed how Star Wars was viewed yeah. back in 1977. Yeah. But, yeah, with Andor, the, the percussion uh-huh. of, you know, the time grappler and then the banging on the metal things mm-hmm. for warnings and then the drums and all the, the – marching band as it were for marva's funeral yeah oh my god yeah that was very good and i love the visuals of the instruments the stuff that they made out of uh, and that's one thing that sometimes i get why somebody might say that's too real world for me like some of their rifles were just straight up here's an assault rifle yeah. with really not much changed on it. But for me, it's a matter of, listen, we came up with this stuff because it was an, well engineered to meet a need. Yeah. You know, this instrument was made because they're like, we need a sound that sounds like this. How do we make it? And because it was a good idea, because there was like a lot of design forethought involved. And so having stuff pop up like that in Star Wars, it just makes sense to me. They, you know, guns, and I don't, this isn't just about guns, but just anything in general. They're like, listen, we need something that can use a combustion to throw a projectile. Well, here's what that looks like. It looks like a gun. And yeah, I just, to me, that's no big deal. I thought it was cool how they sort of took it the extra mile and looked like they soldered a whole bunch of instruments together. But still, that's really neat. That's that's a cool idea. Yeah, you, you've got to think that you know around the world things evolved because of our human shape. Mm-hmm. That's why we have tools shaped the way that they are. So, a galaxy far, far away is populated by humans and human-like aliens mm-hmm. and other aliens. So, yeah, we get things looking similar right yeah so that doesn't take me out of it what's your take on like uh um the star wars expletives i can't remember who was i listening to when they were talking i think it was hawes yeah and will talking about how they hate dank ferric dank ferric yeah um i'm a person though who you know 30 years after the simpsons says it I still say dagnamit. Um, uh-huh. So if I ever say that, it's a Simpsons reference, believe it or not. Dagnamit. Dagnamit, yep. Yeah. In, instead of, you know, outright swearing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I'm okay with it, but, yeah, the swearing and or doesn't take me out of it. Yeah, me neither. I, yeah, so hearing them say, shit. Yeah, because it's a word that I understand that they're using to convey a feeling. There doesn't have to be any uh, 
I don't have to take the take the context to figure out what they mean. Yeah. And when they say it, it's because like it's the it's in the fan or the hit the the shit has hit the fan, so to speak. Yeah. And it's um yeah, that doesn't bug me at all. Now, sometimes I feel like the uh the stuff they come up with like Dank Farrick or uh what was the one that uh Carabas, that's what Zeb would say oh, in Rebels yeah. and that sort of carried on. You heard it pop up that pop up in Rogue One. And uh, t- to me, that's not so bad. Dank Farrick's a little clunky. And especially, I think part of what makes it feel clunky is because the people who say it in the shows don't deliver it. Like, it it feels like they're tasting something unpleasant on their mouth. Yeah. They're not delivering it to where it's like a comfortable pair of jeans. They haven't said this a whole bunch of times their whole life. Yeah. And it comes off like that. And that's more of the actor's thing than anything else, which... It's something Harrison Ford talked about with dialogue in A New Hope. He's like, these aren't words people say. How are you supposed to how are you supposed to say this? But, uh, you know, that's what the greats do is they figure out how to make it natural. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people talk about George Lucas not being a great director for people. Mm -hmm. Um, But some actors can take what little he gives and interpret that and and can just do it anyway uh-huh. and i think that's you know how we've got performances like alec guinness's who can just understand in, intuitively what george lucas is trying to get at right go, yeah yeah i know yeah. What, i know what to do but yeah and or and what are you so, most looking? For? Oh, sorry. I keep trying to steer the show. It's just, I like I said, no, it's just such it's, heavy. I'm I'm very happy to be steered, yeah. but yeah, I watched way too much of the Golden Globes the other day, waiting for the category that Diego was nominated in, uh-huh. knowing that he probably won't win. You know, it's um the last season of of Better Call Saul, nah, and then Kevin Costner won. What for? <sighs> What's the best lead actor in a TV, Uh, blah, 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 blah. Too long a category name. I never watch those award shows, probably because I don't consume enough of the, the things that are, uh, you know what I'm saying? The, the contestants, I don't, I haven't seen 90% of the stuff. No. And I won't until 10 years from now. That's when I'll go back and watch it. No, I was very much a. What category is this? Oh, not relevant. Go and do something else. What category is this? So coming up, we got a a ton of Star Wars coming up in 2023. And what are you most looking forward to out of like Mando season three, uh, Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew is allegedly coming out this year. Yeah. We're not getting um, Acolyte, are we? We're... We don't, I don't really think so. know. Yeah, it's it's hard because yeah, obviously I'm very much looking forward to Andor, um, but that's now I can say it's next year. Yeah, yeah. Yay. Um, skeleton crew maybe because I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. so I'm interested in it. Um, Mando because yeah, Din Djarin, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
What about you? That's tough. I don't know. Uh, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is uh, Jedi Survivor, the video game. I'm really looking forward to that. I think that I loved. So I, I played a lot of video games when I was young. And then I went forever without having a game console, without having a, a, a gaming PC, without doing any of that stuff. And I ended up getting an Xbox One X right, but and it was just randomly right before COVID locked everything down. And the very first game that I got back into, because that's what shipped with the console, was Jedi Fallen Order. And I was blown away by like just the intuitiveness of it and all that and really enjoyed the story, really enjoyed the action. And so I think that they've got a real chance to tell an amazing story with this particular game because they, you know, one of the things that Lucasfilm went all in on was how everything's canon from here on out. Everything we do is canon, 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 (laughs) but they really did some cool stuff. in this i i I just think it's it's got a lot of potential to be amazing and i think just from a game standpoint it's going to be great but like you from like the television show aspect of it i'm looking forward to ahsoka because i want to see sabine and see like what they do with thrawn and all of that yeah but skeleton crew because it is a giant unknown that intrigues me yeah yes those unknowns, you know, just interest me. Yeah. Because, you know, we we went in not knowing what Mandalorian was going to be, really not knowing what Mandalorian was going to be. Right. Until that last, you know, few seconds when we saw little baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, was spoiled for all of us here in Australia. Oh. How long did yeah. you guys have to wait before Disney Plus became available there? It was less than a week afterwards. Why they didn't start Disney Plus the same time when it, we're talking such a short time frame? Yeah, I don't I understand don't that. That's weird. It's so weird. Like it wasn't like weeks. We're talking a matter of days. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. Yeah, it it was really strange, but. I'm sure there's some rights issues or some complex things going on behind the scenes because, yeah, the the rights issues for stuff on streaming is just a mess. Oh, yeah, I couldn't imagine having to deal with that and, like, be the one in control of enforcing it and all that. It's just crazy. And, of course, you know, you make things in America and then they'd sell things to different streaming platforms around the world. Then they decided, Oh, we'll make our own streaming platform. It's like, uh-huh. yeah. So, you know, you've got Hulu over there. A lot of that ends up on our Disney plus, but not all of it. Um, some of it ends up in other places. Uh, like our random pick up a lot of just odd things. Stan, it just seems to, like it's it's going to have um, the poker face from um, Ryan Johnson and Natasha from what's her name? Um, she was in Russian Doll. Oh, uh, yeah. But I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
Thank you so much for joining me, Eric. Oh, Catherine, it's been my pleasure. Where can all the good people of the internet find you? Well, uh, should you be so inclined, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Strathers. You can check out my several podcasts I do. <laughs> the Bad Motivators with my friend Luke Cruiser. The Sith List with a slew of hosts over there. And probably the thing I'm most proud of is my family and I do a Bluey podcast called Dinner with the Healers. And we drop new episodes every Tuesday morning and people are like really responding to it. It seems like it's it's done very well. I'm very happy that people like it. So yeah. Oh, and if you're into video games, you can see me streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash mouserat2217. Yeah. Bluey, our very proud Australian oh, export. We love the show. It was funny, you know, going over for 2019 for celebration. I was telling my friend in Houston about oh this television show Bluey. Uh-huh. You know, when it comes to America, you and your kids should watch it. Yeah, yeah, they're into it. Yeah, I mean, everyone. what's not to love? It's amazing. Yeah, and I mean that was it. Sleepy time that that episode. God. Yeah. Wet. Oh my gosh. It's so endearing. And yeah, I just, it made me want to cry. And this symbolism and how the mom was the sun in that. Ah, just, and I think about like what, just like what motherhood means to my wife and, and that sort of thing. It's just very well done. I mean, my gosh, they nailed it. They nailed it. They nailed it. It's a great show. And of course, you know, bringing great Australian um, terms like a tactical way to the um, great world. I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. No. The, uh, yeah, the tactical we thing is hilarious. It's hilarious. But one of my favorite things they have running in that show is the big blue guy. <laughs> the, you know, what is the big blue guy over here? And it's like, I can't believe how real that is. That that's yeah. just what kids would do. I think it, I don't know. I think it's hilarious. It's such a good show. And yeah, made in Brisbane. Good on you, Brisbane. Yeah, good on you. We love it. Thank you. And everybody needs to go and uh, listen to the podcast to the point where they finally start giving me uh, ads on it so I can become a millionaire and retire and do nothing but podcast and stream video games. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. It would be be right uptown. I just sent you the the new uh, has of yet unrevealed show art that I had commissioned. Ooh. That's our, <gasps> yep, it's us. Oh, sizzle. Yeah, it's cool. I'm going to put it on this this upcoming episode this Tuesday. So. Yeah. But Catherine, thank amazing. you so much. You're an absolute delight. Thank you. And for those out there, um, I'm on that Geek Pod on, in, on yeah Instagram, Twitter, and on Twitter at Catherine underscore Neen. I'm staying with the underscore bad underscore motivator same deal we're never changing even if it becomes available we're never changing (laughs) as twitter just explodes around us that's right we're hanging on (laughs) we're fine
We're fine. Everything's fine here. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I've been wanting this to happen for a while. Uh, you're one of my favorite people. Oh, I feel the same way about you. So that Geek Pod will return. 